0: no place like home He's here! For the holidays Where's my snack pack? Cause no matter how far away you are You know what he smells? If you are <laughs> happy in a million hours. I just love that last line. I've heard it. I don't know how many weeks I've heard that, but every time it just makes me laugh. I am out of here. Hey, good morning again. My name is uh, Rich, just in case you're not sure uh, who I am. I typically work with uh, teenagers here at Grace, but every once in a while I have the opportunity to uh, speak with you on a Sunday morning, so I'm thankful for the opportunity to uh, just to be able to share with you this morning. It's always good to have uh, Jeremiah uh, leading worship here in the main and just the, the worship team that's with him, so always thankful for him. But It's also good over in the link to have Nate Manning back. Nate Manning, I uh, was leading over in the, uh, in the link this morning, so it's great to have you back, uh, Nate, uh, helping lead this morning. So, uh, but it's great to have you here, too. This is going to be a good day for us, and I'm uh, just excited to, uh, again, just have the opportunity to, uh, to share with you. Um, my wife and I just got back uh, from vacation. Ironically enough, we were able to go home for the holidays. Uh, my wife... Lives uh, her family lives in Connecticut. Uh, my family lives in Pennsylvania. So over the uh, holidays, we were able to drive back, spend some time in Connecticut, and then uh, on the way back to Indiana, stop in Pennsylvania and spend some time in uh, Pennsylvania. And so it was really good just to uh, just to be away and uh, just to be able to spend some time with some family that we don't typically get to see uh, very often. But I don't know what it's like for for you when you go away on vacation, but for us, we have a family of six, and so that means that uh, luggage, uh, you know, it, it can get quite plentiful, uh, if you know what I mean. So uh, packing always gets interesting for us whenever we go away on a trip. But, but you know, we had a, a lot of luggage on the way there to Connecticut and Pennsylvania. But on the way back somehow we ended up with like three times as much stuff, you know. And so it's just crazy. You know, you're going and you're visiting grandparents over the holidays, and they're just showering the kids with gifts, and they're just unloading all of the stuff that they don't want on us. And, and so it's just crazy. So we, we get like a bunch, you know, we left with a bunch of stuff. We came back with three times as much, which meant that packing the van became quite interesting uh, on the way back. And so, but um, honestly, you know, if I can just be honest with you, I, I love packing. I really do. I, I love packing the van because I don't look at packing as a chore. I don't look at packing as a task. I view packing as a challenge to be conquered. And so I will conquer that challenge. And my ultimate goal is every time I pack, I will fill up every square inch possible in our van. If it's a crevice, it is filled. You know, on our way back, I I think the only thing we didn't have in our van was a goat. Seriously. Like, and and honestly, I wouldn't have been surprised if one would have flew out whenever I opened up the hatch. You know, there was just so much stuff in there. But I was very proud of myself because filled up every crevice, every inch, but could still see out the back window. That is the ultimate. Whenever you can do that and still see out the back window... So thank you. I uh, really appreciate that. So I, uh, I really love that. Um, like the whole process of packing, uh, you know, like I love thinking about it. I love, you know, pra- like just where's this going to go? How's that going to go in there? And then, you know, just putting them in the van, adjusting them, re That whole process, just it just really peels my banana, man. It really does. And so I really, really enjoy that. And when you pack, you know, of course, the basic rule of packing is you always put the big stuff in first. That's the basic rule of packing. You put the big stuff in first, and then you let the small stuff fill in around it. And so that's kind of the basic rule of packing. Actually, one of, my wife and I, one of the, the very first arguments that we ever had whenever we were first married revolved around packing. We were getting ready to go on a trip, and... Um, I think I was doing something else to get ready for the trip, and so Carol was the one that was packing. And Carol's method of packing is, is different than my method. Uh, Carol just kind of throws the stuff in the suitcase, you know, so she grabs it, throws it in, grabs it, throws it in, grabs it, throws it in. Like, I, I don't pack like that. And so, so I was watching her pack for, you know, for a couple minutes, and it was just really starting to irritate me. And, and so, so I, I was just like, I cannot watch you pack for one second more. And so I just, you know, went there, and I began to teach her the proper way to pack. And... Come to find out that's not a good thing to do. Um you know, I you do not do that. And let's just say that, you know, none of our children were conceived on that trip, if you know what I mean. So it was just uh it's just one of those trips after that. And and so I've I've hence realized that, you know, I don't teach my wife to do things, you know, and stuff. But so uh anyway, um I was reflecting on that a little bit and I uh, was just thinking about the whole, you know, the concept of packing our van and everything like that, and maybe this is a stretch, I don't know, but I was thinking that Packing a van is very similar. Packing a van correctly is very similar to packing our schedules correctly, packing our calendars correctly. Because, you know, if, you know when you're packing a van, if you start with the big stuff first, if, you know, let everything small fall in behind that. And so it's kind of the same way with our schedules and with our calendar. If we start with the big stuff first, the most important stuff, and then pack around that, our lives will just run so much more smoothly. Our lives will just uh, be so much better. Things will just work out so much better for us. But if we start filling our life with the small stuff first, the unimportant stuff, the distracting stuff, then we're not going to have room for the big stuff. We won't have room for the important stuff. And our lives will become distracted and chaotic and frustrating. Now, the problem is, is that there simply is not enough time to get everything done that we want to get done or to do everything that we want to do. There, that's, that's a problem. There just simply is not enough time to do all of that. So it's incredibly important for us to pack our schedules around the big stuff first, the most important stuff first, and then let the smaller stuff kind of fall in behind all of that. Now, an important reality to remember when it comes to, to our schedule and when it comes to our time is this. This is really important for us to remember. Somebody is always going to feel like you are not giving them what they deserve or need. That's an important reality to remember when it comes to our schedule, when it comes to our calendar, whatever, you know, that, that stuff. Somebody is going to feel like you are not giving them what they deserve or what they need. And, and what I mean by that is, I mean, you think about it. We, you have your wife, you have your husband, you have your kids, you have your friends, you have your in-laws, you have your job, you have your hobbies, the house needs cleaned, the driveway needs shoveled, we, we fill our calendars, we go here, we go there, we have this event, we have that event. You know, if you're a parent of a teenager, you totally understand this. Because, you know, you're, you're, you're picking, you're, you're taking your kids to games, you're picking them up from practice, you're going to recitals, you're running your kids to this school event, to that school event, you're helping them with this, you're helping them with that. If you're a parent of, of toddlers, you totally understand this, you know, because what you're doing, you're wiping noses all day, you're wiping butts all day, you're wiping boogers off the furniture, you're finding stuff in the house, you didn't even know existed inside the human body. It's amazing what toddlers can, what can come out of the body. But anyway, the, the demands The demands upon your time seem to be endless. And then you add to that men and women who are working full-time jobs and trying to raise families. I mean, there are probably times in your life when you know that you should be giving more time to your family, when you know you should be giving more time to your wife or to your husband or or to your kids, but there's always so much at work that needs to get done. There's always so much at home that needs to get done. It seems like there's always one more thing to do, and by the time you get all of those things done, you're just so tired, and so it's, it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard to make time to exercise. It's hard to make time to, to play with your kids. It's hard to make time to engage your wife emotionally. Or, or, or It's just hard to make times to do those things. And if you're a homemaker, if you're a stay-at-home mom, there are probably times in your life when you know you should be devoting more time to your husband, but you spent all day with the kids and, 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 you're, and you're tired, and the kids were cranky, and, and your husband gets home, and he's feeling all romantic, and he's trying to put the moves on you and stuff. And you're like, dude, put the moves on that dirty diaper a kid is wearing because you're probably going to have more luck with that right now. You know, so there's just so, so many demands upon our time. There are endless demands for our time. And the reality is just this. Life is busy. That is just a reality, that life is busy. And how we often operate our schedules is like this. At the end of the day, we've often found ourselves allowing the small stuff to dictate our lives instead of the big stuff. We often let the urgent drive us instead of the important. Whatever wheel squeaks the loudest is the one that we tend to address. Now, the problem is that just because something is making the most noise does not mean it's the most important. When I let the squeakiest wheel drive me, this is what happens in my life. When I let the squeakiest wheel drive me, I feel distracted, I feel frustrated, I feel discouraged, and I feel empty. And the reason for that is because I'm not passionate about squeaky wheels at all. And so when I find myself, you know, uh, allowing myself to be driven by, by the small stuff instead of the important stuff, I end up feeling frustrated and, and empty because I know that there are so many more important things that I would rather be doing, so many more important things that I'd rather be investing my time in, and yet I'm allowing myself to be driven by the small stuff instead of the big stuff, allowing myself to be driven by the urgent instead of the important. And so I guess the, the question that I want to ask us this, this morning, as we have just, you know, wrapped up our first week of 2013, the question that I want to ask us this morning is this. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather live your life focused instead of distracted? Wouldn't you rather live your life focused instead of distracted? Wouldn't you rather pour your passion into what is most important instead of what is making the most noise? Wouldn't you rather get to the end of this year? And, and let's—that I mean, just seems so far off. Let's just bring it closer. Wouldn't you rather get to the end of this week and be able to say that you put the best of your time, the best of your energy, the best of your passion into what was most important? And I think that if, if we're honest with ourselves, all of us would probably say, yeah, that's what I want. I, I, that, that is what I want. I'm tired of feeling frustrated and distracted all the time. I want to be focused on what is most important in my life. And so how I am looking at my role today, my role in your life is, is like this. I'm looking at my role in your life as, as the role of offering you hope, of offering you hope because I believe this. I believe that if we repack our lives in a way that honors God, that if we repack our priorities and repack our lives in a way that honors God, God will bring balance to us, God will bring peace to us, and God will bring focus to us even in the midst of a chaotic schedule, and that God will always help us to know how to choose what is better. We're going to look at a story today. It's in Luke chapter 10. I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And if you need a Bible, uh, one of our ushers would love to give you a Bible. All you need to do is put up your hand, and uh, an usher will be around, and they will give you a Bible that you can take home with you if you need a Bible at home. But it's Luke chapter 10. That's in the New Testament. Uh, You just open up your Bible. You'll find the book of Matthew in the New Testament. So you find Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. And uh, we're going to look at a story that involved Jesus and and, uh, a couple other people in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10 verses uh, 38 through 42 I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, those verses to us It says this in verse 38 It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said But Martha was, what's that word? Distracted. Martha was distracted. And how many of us probably feel like that often in our lives? We feel distracted. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. How many of us could say that about our lives? How many of us would that describe uh, the way that we lived our life this past week, that we were worried and upset by many things, that we were distracted, that we were worried, that we were upset by many things? Jesus said, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. What I want to do this morning is, I want us to learn how to repack our lives around the most important stuff and and to help us learn how to choose what is better. And I believe that there are a few things from that story that we can learn that will help us to do that. And the first one is this. The first thing is this. Live your life like your time is limited. Live your life like your time is limited. In this story, Jesus was just passing through this town. The town where Mary and Martha lived was not his final destination. It was just a stop along the way to his final destination. Now, Mary and Martha both knew this. They both knew that he was passing through and that his time with them was going to be limited. So what happened? Mary used her time with Jesus like it was limited So she focused on him. That's the big stuff. Martha used her time with Jesus like it was unlimited. So what did she do? She focused on getting stuff done. That's the small stuff. When it comes to repacking the priorities of our schedule, when it comes to repacking the the priorities of our calendar and living a life of focus and peace, the first thing that we need to do is realize that our time on earth is limited. Now, all of us... Would, would say, yes, we, we all know that we're not going to live forever. We all know that we only have a certain amount of time on this earth. We all know that, but we often don't live our lives like we believe it. We may know it, but we often don't live our lives like we believe it. There's just a huge difference between knowing and, and, and believing. And the reason that I say that is because most of us schedule our life like we have unlimited time. Most of us will schedule like we have unlimited time. We tend to keep adding and adding and adding to our calendars, and we forget that every time that you add to your calendar, you are taking time away from something else. And so we hardly ever stop to ask the question, what am I going to stop doing so that I can focus on the most important stuff? Choosing what is better starts by realizing that our time is limited. Um, there's a verse that's going to come up on the, screens, on the screens here, and if the only thing that you do today is memorize this verse and then apply it to your life, I would, I would totally consider that a win. If, that's the, if this is the only thing that you do is memorize this verse and apply it to your life, that would be a win in my eyes. But the verse is Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. It's going to be up on the screen. When it comes up on the screen, why don't we just read this verse together out loud? Let's go ahead and read it out loud together. Teach us to realize the brevity of life, So that we may grow in wisdom. Let's do it again. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Let's do it again. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So there you go. You just memorized your first verse of 2013. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. When we realize the brevity of our lives... When we realize that our time is limited, then we grow in wisdom. When we grow in wisdom, we learn to choose what is better. We begin to be wise enough to allow our schedules to be driven by the big stuff instead of the small stuff. The reality is this. We only have so much time. We only have so much time. And the truth is, all of your time is going to be spent, We only have so much time, and all the time that you're given is going to be spent. Every second you and I are given will be spent doing something. You will never have leftover time. You cannot save your time. Every minute that you've been given gets spent. But how we often live our lives is we live our lives as though we can find extra time. And we say things like, I know, I know that's important, but, but I think I can do that later. Or we'll say things like, I know I'm busy, but I can slow down later. Or I know that, that work is taking away time with my family, but it's a, it's a busy season right now. Things will begin to slow down later. I know these side jobs that I'm doing on the weekend are taking time away from my wife and my kids, but it's good money, and I'll be able to stop doing those things later. I know that I need to exercise, but it was so busy today and I'll do it later. I know that I need to probably spend some more time with God, but but today it was crazy and, and I'll do it later. We keep saying later as if later is this big box of extra minutes that we can open up whenever we need them. And the reality is this, there is no later box. A later box does not... Exist. Once the minutes are gone, they're gone. Once the day is done, it's done. That's why it's so important to pack around the important stuff instead of the unimportant stuff, to be driven by the big instead of the small. And this is very difficult, and I understand. That, that this can be difficult for all of us because I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but but we tend to turn to the direction of things that will stroke our egos. We will tend to turn in the direction of things that will stroke our egos. And and for guys, for guys, we know this. Uh, what often strokes our egos is is our job, because we get so much satisfaction out of our out of our career, out of our job, especially if you're good at it. Because if you're good at it. People will let you know that you're good at it. And they will give you more responsibilities. And we get such a sense of fulfillment and such a sense of satisfaction out of doing something that we know that we were made to do. And so our egos get stroked by that. And there's a measure of pride in in working 60, 70, 75 hours a week because that strokes our ego. Because we can say things like, look at how much I work. Look at how hard of a worker I am. And then we begin to compare ourselves to other people that don't work as much as we do. And we say, look at them. I could work them in the ground, man. I could work so—I work so much more than them. I am, they, you know, the, the reason I work so much is because they need me here. They need me. If I don 't do this, then, then it 's going to fall apart. They need me at this job. and so what begins to happen is that begins to stroke our egos and it 's so easy for us to give the best of our time and the best of our energy and the best of our passion to our work because we get so much satisfaction out of it. And so we keep staying late or we keep adding to our work schedules and we live our lives like we have unlimited time. And at the end of the day, the ones we say we're working for are the ones who are getting cheated because we're investing more time in in our job than we are into our family. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and the temptation for a stay-at-home mom is to often let the work work associated with being a stay-at-home mom become the focus instead of the relationship side of being a stay-at-home mom. Because there's, you know, when you're a stay-at-home mom, there's always, always something that needs to be done. There's always something that needs to be rearranged, always something that needs to be organized, always something that needs to be cleaned, always something that needs to be refixed, always something that needs to be replaced. And, and, and we can get this sense of pride whenever other moms come over to your home and they're like, wow. You have an amazing home. How do you ever keep it so clean? How do you ever keep it so organized whenever you're trying to raise the kids as well? I mean, this is amazing. I wish that I could do this. And then you blow it off and you're like, oh, yeah, it's nothing, you know, and all that. And, but, but what that does is that begins to stroke your ego. And Because kids usually aren't stroking your ego, you know. Um, I have kids. They typically don't stroke my wife's ego in any way, you know. And so what we tend to do is drift towards the things that will make us feel good about ourselves. And so what happens is the temptation is to plan your day around the cleaning and the rearranging and the organizing instead of planning your day around family time. And so you plan your day like your time is unlimited, and at the end of the day, the ones that you're staying at home for are the ones who end up getting cheated. And so the way to fight against that is to realize, again, that, that realize the brevity of life. And when we do realize that, we will grow in wisdom. When we grow in wisdom, we will be able to choose what is better. Second thing that I want us to see from this passage is this. We need to learn how to say no. We need to learn how to say no. I realize that I may be reading into the story just a little bit here, but I don't think I'm too far off on this, because when, I, when we read this story earlier, did, did you hear the frustration? And, and, and did you hear the frustration in um, Martha's voice? Did you hear that for, What she said was, "Lord, don't you care. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Don't you care? Tell her to help me." I mean, you can hear the frustration in her voice. And, and the original Greek translation of that same sentence says, tell her to get off her lazy butt and do something. That's, I just made that up. That's not true. But anyway, um, but, but you can hear the frustration in her voice. She was upset. And if I know anything about sisters— Sisters generally do not hide their feelings from each other. Um, My wife has three sisters. I have been on the family vacations. I have seen the tension. I have heard the arguments. I'm man enough to say... It scares me. I would see them go at it, and I'd be like, I don't want any part of this, man. I'm just going to go curl up in the fetal position over here and uh, find my happy place, you know? And so, like, like it was just just crazy, you know, some of the stuff that, that they got. They do not mind sharing their feelings with each other. And so, so, if Martha was upset, my feeling is that Mary was going to hear about it. Why aren't you helping me? Can't you see everything that needs to get done here can't you see all the stuff that needs to happen and there you are just sitting down talking to Jesus why aren't you helping me and I don't think Mary was being lazy at all I don't think she was being lazy I just think that she was committed to choosing what is better she was willing to say no to something because she wanted to say yes to what was most important She wanted to focus her time on Jesus because her time with Jesus is what mattered most to her. And I believe, I believe this to be so true in our lives. If you want to live a life that is frustrated, if you want to live a life that is distracted, just say yes to everything. If you want your life to be frustrated, if you want your life to be distracted, just say yes to everything. Try to please everyone. Try to make everyone happy. Try to make everyone in your family happy. Try to make everyone at work happy. Try to make everyone at church happy. Nothing will frustrate you more than trying to please everyone by saying yes to everything. This is a recipe for disaster in our personal lives. But if you want to live a life of peace, if you want to live a life of contentment, you have to learn to say no so that you can say yes to what matters most. Everything you say yes to means that you're going to have to say no to something else. And so that's why it's so important to say yes to the most important stuff, to choose what is better. I've been, been working with teenagers for 17 years now, and I remember when I first started working with teenagers, I would say yes to everything. I mean, I'd, I'd have kids Over all the time. It didn't matter what day it was, it didn't matter what time it was, it didn't matter what the event was, my door was always open and I was always saying yes to whatever it was or to whoever it was. I was the cool guy that kids loved to hang out with and honestly, you know, I had the time to do that. I was young, I was single, I just had the time, I had lots of time to do that type of stuff. Fast forward to where I am today, 17 years later, married. I have four kids that are five years old and under. My uh, priorities have changed. I'm not as much fun as I used to be. I'm not as cool as I used to be. Pulling an all-nighter once meant hanging out with teenagers all night. Now it means I don't get up at night to go to the bathroom. Things have changed. (laughs) Things have changed just a little bit in my life. My priorities have changed. And so for me to be able to choose what is better, I don't say yes to every opportunity because every time I say yes to one thing, it means that I'm saying no to something else. I always want to be sure that I am saying yes to the most important stuff. And if I can be honest, that has at times caused some tension because I've had people get upset with me. I've had people not understand why I wouldn't do something for them, why I wouldn't do a wedding, why I wouldn't hold a certain youth event, why I wouldn't attend this meeting or why I wouldn't go to this event. I've had people think that I'm being unfair when I don't do certain things. And if I can just tell you, I am totally okay with that. I am totally okay with that because I realize that everything I say yes to means that I am going to say no to something else. And so my desire is to be wise and to say yes to what lines up with the priorities in my family and to say yes to the things that lines up with the passions in my ministry. I want to say yes to the things that drive my passions. And so I, I heard somebody describe it this way, and they, they, they talked about it in this, in this sense. They said, This is a great question to ask when putting together your schedule. This is a great question to ask when putting together your calendar. They said, In light of the kind of marriage that you want to have, in and, and, and light of the kind of family that you want to have, in light of the spiritual health that you want to have in light of the time with God that you want to have in light of the physical health that you want to have what is the wise thing to do what is the wise thing to do is it wise to commit to doing this is it wise to commit to putting this on your calendar not is it right or is it wrong but is it wise is it wise? Is it wise to, to involve your kids in one more activity? Is it wise to be gone every Saturday doing your hobby and, 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 and causing your wife to be at home once again for hours with the kids? Is it wise to take on all of the side jobs on the weekend. It's good money, but, but once again, you're leaving your priorities at, at home alone. Again, is it wise? There are always going to be good opportunities that come your way, always. There will always be good opportunities that, that come your way, but a good opportunity doesn't mean that it's the most important opportunity. Just because it's good doesn't mean that it's wise for you and your family. Most of the time... Most of the time we're adding to our calendar instead of subtracting from it Because we think that if we're really busy then we're really productive we, we have this misconception that busyness equals productivity That if we're busy then we're being productive And I'd say the opposite is true Busyness often creates distraction What creates productivity is focus And so focus is what makes you productive. So when you pack around the big stuff, what you'll see happening in your life is you'll see yourself becoming more efficient. You'll see yourself becoming more productive. You'll see yourself becoming more intentional. And whenever you do those things, you'll actually find yourself getting more done. And so say yes to the most important stuff so that you can have the family, so that you can have the marriage, so that you can have the health, so that you can have the relationship with God that you desire to have. The third thing, third thing that I want to see, that I want us to see from this passage is this. Let Jesus dictate your schedule. Let Jesus dictate your schedule. And this is the one that seems a little out there. It seems a little kind of strange, especially if you're somebody that's, that's new to church or somebody that is, is new in, in your relationship with Jesus. But, but when you look at the story, Mary allowed Jesus to dictate her schedule. And so what was Mary doing? She was sitting content at his feet, sitting peacefully at his feet. Martha, on the other hand, allowed the urgent to dictate her schedule, and, and what does the story say? The story says that she was distracted, and Jesus even told her, he said that you're, you're worried and upset about many things. And so, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, how do I try to let Jesus dictate my schedule? And this is, this is what, I, what I try to do, what I try to do every morning, and, and this is just me. The important thing for all of us is to spend time with God. That is the most important thing. Spending time with God. This is how I do it because I just feel like this is the most important way for for me to do it. So I'm not trying to tell you you have to do it my way in order to be a better Christian. Um, The important thing is just to do it whenever it happens. But for me, what I do is I, I start my day out with God. That's what I do. I start my day out with God. I try to get up before everyone else gets up. And I just surrender the time that I have to God because every day I am given 1,440 minutes. I am given 1,440 minutes every day. And only God knows if I'm going to get all of those minutes. I have no clue if I'm going to get them all. I may not get all those minutes today. I don't know. Only God knows the amount of minutes that we are going to get. So in my mind, there's something powerful about saying, God, if I am given 1,440 minutes today, I want to give you the first of my minutes. I want to give you the first 15. I want to give you the first 20. I want to give you the first 30. I want to give you the first 60 minutes. And, and I do that because for me, it's just a way for me to express my dependence upon God because God is the only one who knows if I am going to get All of my minutes. God is the only one who knows what is going to lie ahead during my day. So if I am only going to get a certain amount of time today, I want to commit that time to God and start my day out with Him and allow Him to dictate how those minutes are going to be used. And what I find is when I start my day with God, I'm already starting by choosing what is better. Because nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing is more important than me spending time with God. Nothing is more important than me spending time reading the Bible and hearing from God. Nothing is more important than me talking to God. Because that dictates everything else I do it dictates my relationship with my wife my relationship with my kids, how I work how I invest in other people it all starts with that And so whenever I am spending time with God I am already choosing what is better and I find that I'm more aware of Him throughout my day I tend to be more willing to allow his voice to lead me throughout the day. I tend to be more aware of his guidelines and his principles to follow throughout the day. And how I look at it is this. I just believe that God is the giver of my minutes. God is the giver of my minutes, and he will show me how to best use my minutes. If he gave them to me, He knows how they are to best be used. And so I want to allow Him to dictate my pace, and I want to allow Him to dictate my schedule. So so allow Jesus to dictate your schedule. The last thing that I want us to see from this passage is this. When you choose what is better, it will not be taken from you. When you choose what is better, it will not be taken from you. The last thing that Jesus said to Martha in this story is this. He said, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. This is a hard reality to accept. but something I think it's important for us to, to, to realize, because this, this will really help us to see where our hearts lie and where our priorities lie. But, but where you spend your time is an indication of what your priorities are. Where you spend your time is an indication of what your priorities are. You are prioritizing whatever receives your time. And like I mentioned earlier, there are countless people and countless opportunities that are going to demand your time. So when giving our time away, we need to choose what is better because when you do, it will never be taken from you. I was thinking about how to illustrate that. I mentioned at the beginning that uh, my wife and I were able to go on vacation and uh, spend time at the holidays. Uh, her family lives in Connecticut. My family lives in Pennsylvania. And so we stopped in Pennsylvania, and uh, this is one of the things that my parents gave uh, my my daughter Mercy. It's uh, one of the TY Beanie Babies. And so this one is Valentina. And it was really kind of funny because, you know, my dad, you know, my dad grabs this and he gives it to me and he says... Now, this is worth a lot of money, and so we're going to uh, give it to Mercy. This is worth a lot of money. And so um, I was thinking, you know, I, I was looking at it, and I think it's worth, like, I don't know, 50 to 100 bucks. I don't know, which is crazy. This is a beanie baby. 50 to 100 bucks for this thing. That's ridiculous. Anyway, um, <laughs> I won't get off on that. But anyway, um, this is—so uh, he's like, this is worth a lot of money. So, so here you go. Mercy's going Mercy's gonna to like this. Now, um, this is no longer worth 50 or 100 dollars, and the reason for that is because— um, the tag got ripped off. And so if you know anything, like, like the tag is the thing that makes it worth money. It has to be in that mint condition, you know. And so, so my, my parents kept this for like 20 years, and they gave it to us for five minutes, and it's worthless now. You know, it has no value whatsoever. And I was even thinking that when my dad gave it to me. He's like, I want Mercy to have this, you know, and it's worth a lot of money. And I'm like, Dad, it's not going to be worth a lot of money in five minutes. So they have it for five minutes. The tag is, is ripped right off. And so my mom is actually probably watching this sermon on, online, and so, Mom, I'm sorry that uh, you guys kept this for like 20 years, and it's worthless now. But, but anyway, this is—why uh, I'm sharing that with you is, is for this reason. When, when I take the best of my energy, when I take the best of my time, when I take— the best of my ability, and I invest it in, in, in something that is going to lose its value just like that, whether it's, 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 it's my money or my job or my bank account or whatever it is. Basically, what I am doing is I am investing in a T.Y. Beanie Baby that's going to lose its value with one rip of a tag. Because for you and for me, everything that we have will one day be gone just like that. Just like that. Everything that we have, with one rip of a tag, it's going to be useless. And so if I am investing my time in this, I am wasting my time because I am not investing it in what is most important. So when I take from the most important people in my life, the most important ministry in my life, and I invest the best of my time in my job or my money or my house or whatever it is, I am basically investing my time in a beanie baby that's going to lose its value with one rip of a tag. Because the the, the most important thing that I can do in my life is to pour my life into people. That is the most important thing that I can do. The most important thing I can do is to pour my life into people, to give back, to empty my cup into others. Everything else I have will be gone. My money, my clothes, my, 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 my house, my job, everything will be gone. But the time that I invest in my wife, the time that I invest in my kids, the time that I invest in people who need to know Jesus, the time that I invest in people that need to understand what it means to be free in Jesus, that is the stuff that will not be taken away because that's the stuff that continues on. That's the stuff that is passed on time after time after time. What I invest in others is the stuff that will live on long after I have been gone. Now, believe me, I recognize the tension in all of this. I recognize the tension in this because we have jobs. We all have jobs. We, we need to work life has to happen. There, there are things that need to get done. We all know that. We all recognize that. And just so you know, contrary to popular belief, I actually do work more than one day a week. You know, I, I don't just work on Sundays. Our youth ministry meets on Wednesday nights, and so I work Wednesday nights too. So it's two nights a week, two days that I work. All the others just work on Sunday. Um, so I work a lot harder than the other pastors, just between you and me. So two days a week, but... You know, honestly, like the reality—the reality is this. Like my my position here, my position here at Grace uh, causes me to have to make sacrifices for my family. The same as your job causes you to make sacrifices for your family. Some of the things that, some of the sacrifices that, that, I, have to, that I have to make, you know, there, there are weeks that I have to leave my family during, during the year because I'm gone on a mission trip or I'm gone at a youth conference or whatever it is. So there are weeks that I'm leaving Carol alone with, with our four kids. There are weekends that we have retreats or, or conferences or, or, or whatever it may be. Weekends that I leave throughout the year that I have to leave Carol at home alone with the kids. It means that every Wednesday I'm basically at the church all day. I get in here get in here in the morning and I have to, you know, I'm here till about ten o'clock in the evening because that's when our youth ministry ends. And so it means that Every weekend, you know, is taken up with church stuff. You know, we can't go camping like we, you know, like other people, which is no big deal. But but every weekend is, is taken up with church stuff. Um, it means sometimes they get calls and and you know in the in the night, and I have to leave and go to the hospital or go talk to somebody at their house. It means that there are certain holidays that we don't get to celebrate as a family because those holidays are holidays where people come into the church and we want to, you know, you know, we we. We just do church stuff on those holidays. And so those are—and those, I'm not saying that to complain. I'm, I'm just saying that's the reality of, of my job. Now, my job causes me to make sacrifices maybe you don't have to make. Your job causes you to make sacrifices I don't have to make. The fact that, that we work— means that we have to make sacrifices. It's a reality of of just having a job. And so my job causes me to do things you might not have to do. Your job causes you to do things that I don't have to do. Having a job just means that we have to make sacrifices for our family. It's just a reality. And so I try to look at it in this way. This is how I look at it. If my family is like a bank account, every time my position at Grace takes time away from my family, I am making a withdrawal from my family account. So if my family is, is like a bank account, every time my job causes me to leave my family, I am making a withdrawal from my family account. Now, as with any bank accounts, we all need to make withdrawals. It's, it's a reality. There are withdrawals that have to be made. We have living expenses. We have bills. We have things we need to buy. Whatever it is, repairs that need to be made. So every bank account needs to make withdrawals. And so we're always going to make withdrawals from our bank account. But the key to being strong financially is causing your deposits to be greater than your withdrawals. That's how you can be strong financially. That's how you can be stable financially, to, to allow your deposits to be greater than your withdrawals. That is exactly how I look at it with my family. That if there is a weekend that, that I have to be away from my family because of an event that, that is, you know, Grace Community related, I'm making a withdrawal from my family, but you better believe when I get home, the deposits I'm going to make are going to be greater than that withdrawal. If I am gone for a week because I'm at our Momentum Youth Conference, which is one of the weeks I'm gone every year, that's a, depo- that's a withdrawal that I'm making from my family. You better believe when I get back that I am making greater deposits in my family than I did withdrawals because nothing is more important. Nothing is more important than my wife and my two sons and my two daughters. And so I need to be sure that I am making greater deposits than withdrawals from the most important stuff. Because nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, am I told to lay my life down for my bank account. Nowhere. Nowhere am I told to lay my life down for my retirement account in the Bible. Nowhere. Nowhere am I told to love my position at Grace Community Church like Jesus loved the church. I'm not told that. But you know what I am told? I am told to lay down my life for for my wife to love Carol like Jesus loves the church and to gave and gave himself up for her. That is what I am told to do. I am told to pour my life into my kids and to invest in them and to empty my cup into them and to teach them along the way. That is what I am told to do. Basically, I am told to love my family and to do my job. Now, the problem happens when we get that reversed. The problems occur when we get that reversed, when we love our job or we love our hobby or we love our activity and we simply do our family. That is when the problems happen because families and friendships and relationships, those are meant to be loved. Jobs are meant to be done, done passionately, yes, done with hard work, Absolutely done productively. Absolutely. Done with integrity. Yes. But not at the expense of what is most important. How I try to keep that in front of me every day is 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 thinking it like this. This is a harsh reality for me. It might be a harsh reality for you to accept as well. But this is what I try to tell myself every day. It helps me keep my priorities in line. Somebody else can do my job. Somebody else is able to do my job. There are a lot of people that could do my job here at Grace, and there are people that could probably do it better than I can do it. But nobody else, nobody else can be a husband to Carol. Nobody else can be Ezra, Mercy, Torah, and Judah's dad. Can someone else be a youth pastor here at Grace? Absolutely, and the reality is somewhere, I don't know when, but somewhere along the line, I am going to be replaced here. And you are going to be replaced at your job as well. That's just a reality. And somebody else is going to do a great job here. Somebody else is going to do a great job at at your job. But no one else can be a dad and a husband in my home. No one else can love my wife and my kids the way that I am designed to love them. Nobody else can do that. And so what your family wants from you is they want to feel your love. They don't want to feel your schedule. Your family wants to feel like they are your priority. They don't want to just be told that they're your priority, but they want to feel like your priority. There is a big difference between the two, and so we need to choose what is better. Choose what is better. And so, do you really need to stay at the office until everything gets done? Choose what is better. Do you really need to work that weekend job to get that extra money? Choose what is better. Do you really need to make sure everything is spotless in your home at the expense of playing with your kids? Choose what is better. Do you really need one more activity to involve your kids in? Choose what is better. Nobody is ever going to get to the end of their life wishing they had more time to work or to clean. You will not be the first one. Choose what is better. We're going to wrap up our time this morning. How we're going to do this is is I'm just going to give you an opportunity to reflect on a couple of questions. And what I want us to do is just to kind of just close our eyes and and I'm just going to give you just a, a few seconds to go to God and say, God, open up my eyes, open up my heart, show me if there are changes that I need to make In my schedule. So I'm going to give you a a second, a couple seconds to do that. And then I'm going to ask you some questions. And so go ahead, bow your heads, close your eyes, go to God, ask Him to show you things if there are changes that need to be made in your life, in your schedule. And then I'm just going to ask you a couple questions to reflect on. first question is this. If you, only, if you found out that you only have three months left to live, who or what would you focus your limited time on? And my question for you is this. What's keeping you from doing that now? If the reality is that our time is limited, what is keeping you from focusing on them now? Second question is, what do you need to say no to in order to create a greater sense of balance and margin in your life? Are you saying yes to what's most important? Because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Third question is, have you let Jesus dictate your schedule? Maybe a better way to, to ask it is this. Um, yeah, have you ever let Jesus dictate your schedule? Have you ever gone to him and said, if, this is, if I'm only getting 1,440 minutes today, Jesus, show me how to best use those minutes. Have you ever done that? Then the last question is, are you investing the best of your passion and time in what will not be taken from you? Are you investing the best of your passion and your time in what will not be taken from you, or are you investing in the Beanie Babies? Are you choosing what is better? Let's pray. God my prayer for uh, everybody here in the main for everybody over in the link for anybody else that may be hearing this or watching this. I pray that uh, we will invest the best of our passion, the best of our time, the best of our energy into what is most important God we we all there, there's the reality of work there's the reality of providing for our families we all we all know that, but God, I pray that we will honor you with our schedules honor you with the big stuff and then let that small stuff fall into place and I believe that when we do that that you will cause everything to fall perfectly into place and we'll be able to live lives of, of focus and peace and of contentment. God I pray that you will teach us to understand the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom and choose what is better. And I ask this all in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for coming today. Have a great week. Choose what's better this week and start by doing that today. We'll see you next week.